Uh, tonight on the Destiny Show podcast, we welcome an awesome guardian from the Destiny community. She is a gamer, Twitch streamer, and frequent contributor to Gamer Loop Radio. From childhood, Jamie has been playing video games like Destiny 2, The Division, and Rainbow Six Siege. I'm excited to welcome Jamie on the show, and we're going to invite her on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. So, Jamie, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. We're going to get to know you a little bit better on the show. We're going to put you on the hot seat for our discussion with the Guardians. But, you know, we also have another really cool Guardian here on the show. We have our very own mod. Mr. Justin McCarthy. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Now, is this your first podcast appearance? Yes. Wow, dude, I'm excited. <laughs> so I'm so really mad. putting you on the hot seat as a co-host. And for anyone who does not know, Justin McCarthy is freaking awesome. This man is a moderator for every single content creator in this community. He, I don't know how he does it, frankly. Um, I don't know when he sleeps, um, so we, we might talk a little bit about that, too, uh, because I'm mildly curious. <laughs> and Guardians, before we dive into it, I do want to let you all know we're, we're getting a little bit of a rebrand, so you'll notice some new graphics, some changes. Please bear with us. We might have some... Uh, imperfections as we work things out so thank you for being so patient we really appreciate you we are working on a couple of really cool things we're teaming up with pod chaser to support ukraine and the world central kitchen for every review that you write for the show pod chaser will donate 25 cents to the cause and when we leave a comment back they will donate an additional 25 cents so 50 cents will be donated if you leave a review for the Destiny show on Podchaser. You can leave your review today and we'll give you a shout out on the show and on our socials to say thanks and to let y'all know that we appreciate you. So thank y'all for doing that. And Guardians, we have a lot to talk about tonight. We have endgame content in Destiny 2. We're going to talk about the new rotations that are coming to the game brought to us by liana who is the community manager over at bungie so shout outs to liana and uh we're gonna put our guest on the hot seat for our discussion with the guardians so i hope you all are ready and jamie i hope you're ready i'm absolutely ready let's do it all right so let us know like how'd you get started in the destiny community how did your journey in destiny begin yeah, absolutely. So I played D1. Um, gosh, it, I, I really it feels like so, so long ago, um, but it started in De Destiny 1. And then I, I actually took a break for a really long time. Um, and then I, I came back to it probably about, I want to say like five or six years ago. Um, and I remembered in, in that time why I loved it so much. Um, and so, you know, I was I was playing it somewhat casually, but then it kind of was picking up a little bit more um, right ahead of the release of the Destiny 2 base campaign. So like right when Destiny 2 was released. And it was it was funny because I remember the day specifically, um, we were about to get a hurricane where I lived. And 
I said to <laughs> to my wife, I said, I'm going to beat the campaign before we lose power. I'm going to do it. And I did. And I was so ecstatic. And then I think probably an hour later, we lost power. Um, and it was just, it was really funny, but that was where it started. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break again and then came back to it, but you know, it, it's just, that's, that's pretty much the, the humble beginnings of, of where I've been in destiny. And it's been all completely fantastic from there. I think it's really interesting how, you know, every guardian has their own unique story of how they got started, but it's so fun to see the similarities between everybody has the one commonality between wanting to find a community and a place in destiny that's their own and somehow you make it your home which is kind of cool absolutely and when did you first start playing destiny was it during the destiny one uh experience or was it after the release destiny one uh so that was i played d1 first and then played d2 from the beginning of that forward did you get into the beta I did not get into the beta. I didn't was get beta. Uh-huh. I was. I did not. I was on console for a. I still am on console, but I played on console for a very, very long time, and actually flipped between uh, Xbox and PlayStation for like a couple of years, based on I don't even remember why. And, and I, I um, within the last, I'd say, a couple of years, um, I made the move to play on PC as well. Um, so I play between console and PC now. But no, I did not get into the beta. I was I was not one of those lucky people to be in the beta. That's really cool. And you know, I started playing Destiny was my in-between game because I was playing Call of Duty at the time. I was pretty hardcore into Call of Duty. I was playing zombies and I thought the next game is going to be so great. Um but then kind of stuck with me and what about you justin i mean you've been part of the game for a long time as well right yeah so i started um in destiny one about a month after it released um i didn't get into the beta though did you have a gallerhorn uh when the game first came out or did you miss it so me and my friends went to Zur that weekend and we're like, oh, this is just going to be another rocket launcher or whatever. Um, so we didn't pick it up. And I remember the first time we got it was in Crota's and we were doing a three-man. You three-man Crota. Yeah. Did you cheese Crota? Um, we did a little. Okay, a little. You stood on the ledge in the, in the center, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah, you, you couldn't do it any other way. Like, yep. it was impossible. <laughs> I remember that. And you know what? Like, a lot of people said that they didn't really enjoy Crota's End as much, but I thought it was actually a really great raid. Like, once you got to that last final room, things got pretty intense. Like, it didn't feel like, like a nightfall to me. Like, a lot of people compare yeah. Crota's End to a shorter activity like a nightfall. To me, it felt more expansive than that yeah i mean especially like back then when it was like the ps3 the ps4 um the environment just felt like really good um and really different than 
what Fall of Glass was like. Oh, totally. Totally. And now on that note, Jamie, I'm curious about this. Tell us about mm. your very first raid experience. So, oh gosh, I had to, so I, I had to think really hard about this. So I had a lot of incomplete raid experiences in Destiny 1 um, because at the time I just didn't know a whole lot of people uh, that played the game. Uh, so I played a lot of uh, a lot of solo content when I was playing Destiny 1. Um, but Destiny 2, my first ever raid experience was during... Um, moments of triumph when you needed to complete a bunch of the raids for the seal. And I realized that I had not completed like several of these. And so I think I'm trying to remember what happened first at the time, because it wasn't when Deepstone Crypt had come out. I think it was before that. So I think the first raid experience I had was Leviathan. Um, and then, you know, I went through all the raids uh, to get the seal. And I rem <laughs> I remember they removed the loot lock out so that you could try to get the exotics. And so like you could farm the boss uh, of like Scourge. You know, I think I did that like 11 times or something like that to get Anarchy. Um, and then I got Teraba on my first try, which I was not loved by people for that. And then um, I, th I mean, I did the other ones like, but the the one the one raid experience that I think sticks with me the most is the first time somebody taught me Deepstone Crypt. Um, it was brand new to everybody. Um, and you know, somebody took the time to like it was it was kind of a carry, but I also learned through watching. I'm a big person by learning through doing and but also learning through watching. So I was paying attention. And then I raided with that person a couple more times and I I I got to love the raid. Um, so that was that was probably my most memorable raid experience. And I I love I love Deepstone. That's probably my favorite one. That's that's really cool. I find it interesting how you you didn't get your first completion until Leviathan. That's that's so interesting that you spent all this time in the game and you haven't really experienced the D1 raids. I played a lot uh on my own for a very long time it was it was just me i didn't know a lot of other people uh in d1 times that were playing the game and and if they were you know like it the idea of a gaming community to me at that time was very foreign um and then you know when i got more into destiny 2 i actually met i, I met some of my greatest friends uh through playing the division uh tom clancy's the division i met a bunch of them we all still game together today. We've been friends for God, I think like four or five years now. I think it's probably longer than that. Um, but in meeting them and playing a completely different game other than destiny, that's how I started to learn about more about gaming communities and the type of community that I wanted to build. And that's what I'm trying to do, you know, with, with destiny now in my community and, and partnering with other people to be like, Hey, you're great. Let's, let's do stuff together. Let's help people together. And so like that, the the raid experiences stick out to me quite a bit because raids are challenging. You know, they're not easy when you're teaching new people all the time, especially if you're teaching more than one new person at once. Um, so then being able to do that and and achieve that is just it's a very special moment. And then the funny thing about that is with Vault of Glass being re-released, we actually went back, the group of people, the community that I became a part of, 
a group of us went back to learn Vogue from D1 to then be able to do it in contest mode when it got re-released in D2. And that was, that was a really, really special time too. That was awesome. When you got a chance to go and play the Vault of Glass in Destiny 2, was that your first experience beating the Vault of Glass? It was my first ex- Well, n- technically, no. Um, so when we went back to play it in D1, that was my first experience beating Vault of Glass. When we actually went back to use D1's VOG to practice <laughs> for the D2 oh, awesome. raid. So you went back to D1. We all went back to D1 because we all still had it. So, you know, it was, I think it was still a disc for me at the time. <laughs> um, but we, yeah, we all had it. We all, you know, collectively had decided, hey, we're going to do contest. We're going to do day one VOG when it comes out. Um, and so we used Destiny 1 to practice uh, running it. And, you know, that I think it helped a lot being able to do that at the time because obviously things are different between the D1 and D2 versions. Not not too many things, but enough that it was I'm glad that we had that base of knowledge. But, yeah, that was technically the first time I had ever cleared Vault of Glass. That's that's crazy. Wow. Mm hmm. That's pretty now, insane. Now, now I know it like the back of my hand. Did you get the day oh. one completion in in Destiny Two on day one? We did in contest not. mode. We got about halfway there. Um, okay. And yeah, and then we all kind of the group all kind of dissipated, and we did have one person out of the group who I think I can't remember if if she found a group of people to finish it with. We gave it our best shot. Um, that was all of our, like that was our first experience collectively with contest mode as well. Um, so it was it was quite the thing uh, to experience. It's for a for a re-release raid. I think it's fantastic. Um, but yeah, we did. We got it as soon as contest mode was over. We all reconvened and we cleared it, I think, within a couple tries. So it was it was not not bad after that. Um, but contest mode is quite it's quite the uh, quite the challenge. Yeah, no, I've I have attempted our contest mode several times and day one is it takes a lot of coordination and it's not easy i will say one thing i think that and maybe you both may or may not agree with me on this but i think bungie made contest mode a little bit easier and more accessible like i think the enemies hit harder earlier on than they do now i think that it's not as intense whereas now it feels like okay you can at least get halfway through, whereas before it was like, wow, they are really bringing on the pain from the very start. Mm-hmm. I would yeah. I would agree in that I while I did not do Vow of the Disciple day one, the I did hear a lot of people give similar feedback that it was they definitely based on the light level made it more accessible for people to be able to attempt it. Um, everything hit hard from what I saw. Um but it definitely didn't feel as locked out as I think Vogue was at the time. Definitely. What about what about for you, Justin? Like, what was your first raid experience like? I think for you, it would, it would probably be Vault of Glass, right? Back in D one. Yeah. So, um, so back in D one, early on, I was mostly um, like a solo player. Um, so I went on the 100, um, just like searching for vol glass groups. Um, and I found this group that had an Atheon checkpoint. And I'm like, okay, I'll jump in. 
and we get in um we get into atheon and i don't know like it was meant to be but that was probably the funnest raid i've ever done we had everybody using like like all these who's a warlock that's what i want to know we had uh three warlocks i was my hunter and then we had two other titans so it was like the perfect setup back then we had pretty much everybody in the group was i would say fairly experienced in playing the beta um so they were all like super helpful um they explained everything the way that sherpas really should um so that kind of like anxiety i had going in like just went away immediately yeah dude you mentioned something really interesting and it's like I think before Destiny, like I had a few friends who were, you know, kind of close friends, but I didn't really have a lot of friends and I wasn't like the most comfortable person overall, like with larger right. groups, certainly not with six other people. Yeah. And putting yourself in that position where you're like, you have to play and you have to coordinate, and you got to talk and you have to just participate and be present. That really helps. And then when you get the activity completed, there's, a really cool feeling like when you get your uh vex mythoclast i remember when i got my vex and let me tell you i was tearing shit up in the crucible it was yeah. awful. and i'm not a crucible player y'all like i don't check my elo please please do not <laughs> check my elo um but that being said i had so much fun and i kind of miss having that special moment where it's like I get this weapon and it's so OP that I can go and shred in a crucible and it's so fun and it works. And that was the really special moment for me, just like grinding out the vault of glass for like, I think it was like five hours. It was a while. It took a while to beat it. Like shooting those oracles yeah. without Oracle disruptor. Like you're, you're <laughs> shooting it. uh, it's tough. You become a better player. And I think that, the camaraderie and just being able to accomplish something like that it's pretty satisfying mm -hmm. especially for the first time definitely absolutely so going back to a topic that jamie and i talked about right before the show we talked about community and this is going a little bit off script i want to know like what does the destiny community mean for the both of you you've been a part of this community for a really long time yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the Destiny community means to me coming together to achieve things as a group and just create success within the community with each other. I, I think that Destiny has come a long way over a very long period of time. And I think that while I think the majority of the community is very positive, is very inclusive, is very supportive of one another. And that's what I think 
about when I think about destiny in the community. That's what I strive for building my own community and being a part of other people's communities is it's, it's a big pool of information and it's a big game. So the best way that you can be part of the community is to just be inclusive and help each other play the game together. It's meant to be played together. And so playing with other people and being inclusive and being helpful and teaching people or just being like, Hey, did you know this? There are still things today that I, you know, I have moments where I'm like, wow, I totally didn't know that. And you can never, never stop learning, never stop accepting new information and learning new things about the game because you're never going to know everything, but that's what a community is for learning things and achieving things together and having a good time while you're doing it. I really love what you said there. Achieving things together. So powerful. Mm -hmm. What about you, Justin? I know you've been part of a lot of communities in Destiny and you, you have probably more experience than so many people. What's your take? What does the Destiny community mean for you? So Destiny's been my main, I guess, like community since college. And like, yeah, of course, there are people who are kind of toxic. But it's also filled with people who are just like genuinely nice. And whenever there's like a big charity event going on, they always like support each other. This kind of like situation with everything going on is really something you don't see. Bungie as a company, I think that I have a lot of respect for them as a company because like they are at the forefront of launching all these campaigns to support so many important causes. And you don't see that in every vertical of the video game space. Right. I, you know, and I think Bungie comes out there every single time, whether it be for Ukraine or Black Lives Matter, any issue that comes to light that is important. I feel like Bungie is always there and the community is there to follow and to support in such a big way. And that's such a cool thing. It definitely is. I would agree. And, and this, this is a question for Justin. Like you've been a mod for mm -hmm. what, eight people now. Yep. Why do you do it? Like, I mean, you probably deal with assholes out there. Let me be frank, who people yeah. who are not very nice. What's your motivation? Why are you a mod for so many people? I've always been the kind of person who, like, wants to see people win. I want to support people for some of the people I mod for. Um, they get a lot of toxic people in the chat. Um, whether it's like they're playing trials and like they five oh somebody. Um or if they're doing the bungee bounty, they might get people spamming like racial stuff. And it's kind of like Life is way too short 
to have that energy around you. And I just want to make sure, like, that everybody who, like, wants to watch certain streamers, like, I want to make sure they're safe. And I want it to be a space where, like, people can meet each other and not have to worry about toxic people coming in and disrupting it. Dude, I love that. And that makes you a really good person in my book. Mm -hmm. I would agree. Like, we need more people like you in this community, on this planet. I'm just going to say it. That's a great mentality to have. Thank you. I, I'm curious about something, and I'm going to ask the both of you, what's your inspiration and what is your purpose behind either the content that you create or what you do in this community? Yeah. Um, what would you say for yourself? is your purpose? I would say my purpose is really to create a safe and inclusive space where people can be themselves and have a good time and have fun and, and share in playing a game or watching a movie or listening to music or talking about comic books or whatever that, whatever it is you want to talk about. I want people to have a place where they can do that and feel safe and included and seen and just feel like it's like you're coming to hang out with your friends, uh, except it's not physically at someone's house. It's it's in a discord or it's in a stream like that's that's what I want to achieve. And we all rally around this wonderful game called Destiny. And that's a fantastic thing. But I want it I want it to be inclusive for more than just Destiny. If you're playing other games or maybe you're not playing games at all, maybe you're just talking about other stuff. Um, that's that's what. That's my purpose. That's what I want for my community and the people in it and the the people that I meet as well. Love that. Yep. I think that we need creators who can create more of these spaces. And I know Justin mentioned working with a lot of creators who deal with things like racism and hate and just negativity on a daily basis and in a way, we're lucky where I don't think we're large enough as a podcast where we get a live enough audience where we deal with that on daily. Like we had one one time when we had, ironically, it was the founder of the Destiny 2 LFG community. And that evening, I think we had like 300 people show up live. It was something insane. Like I... I actually didn't even know about moderation that evening. Like I was not prepared because we're going to make a podcast. We're going to put it out and, you know, we're going to broadcast it to Twitch. But I did not think that a chat can become toxic or that it can escalate that quick. But it did within, I would say, five minutes where it was like the chat was blowing up and I had anxiety because... I was trying to figure out like how do I run a podcast from the back end but also figure out moderation while I'm trying to be a good host. So it was definitely an experience and a learning experience at that and I think after that I realized we need to put in place a real moderation team but also a system where you can protect these important things like that you don't really think about in terms of just making things more 
safe for all guardians. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So Justin, what's what's your what's your purpose for being in the destiny community? Like what what do you want to accomplish? What's what's the purpose? So I really want to give back to um like help people out, whether that's helping people go through end game content. Um whether it's just meeting people in tower and just spending a campaign or two with them. Because I think a lot of us, like we played so much destiny. Um, we kind of think that like everybody who um, is new, like they're below us or they shouldn't, like, we should just, like, let them be and let them do their own thing. Which, at least to me, is a big turnoff. Um, because if we want, like, Destiny 2 to be a super popular game, we need to, like, welcome more people in instead of being really closed off yeah dude that's so important you know being more building together instead of tearing apart you know i i think that's such an important thing and i think sometimes we lose sight of that and trying to grow on a personal level you know like and i think you and i share a very similar thing in terms of like what we want from the community because for me it's like it's more about showing the guardians of tomorrow that you don't need a check mark next to your name to build something cool and impactful. Right. I agree. It's, I think that's an important thing. And I feel very lucky that I get a chance to talk to cool people like yourselves. It's something that I greatly appreciate. And I think that sometimes like being consistent becomes a challenge because like just creating is not easy. It it really is not, especially when you have a million other things. I think that it's so, so important for this community to have creators like you to lead communities that can make positive changes in so many lives. Absolutely. And I think I think something you mentioned as well about the fact that, you know, you don't have to have a check mark next to your name uh, to be a positive influence in the community, I think is a very overlooked thing. I know a lot of people in the Destiny community that are smaller by comparison, but they have such great communities and they do great things for people and they help people with all kinds of content. And it's, you know, that those people are part of the bigger group that kind of helped to build the community as a whole too. Slightly different topic. We talked about this briefly before the show. We talked about the state of destiny and mm -hmm. the game has gone through a lot of changes, a lot of transformations. I'm curious for the both of you, what are your thoughts on the current state of destiny Two today? I think 
Destiny as a whole is in one of the best places it's it's been in a very, very long time. Um, I think that they're consistently innovating. I think that they're very responsive to community feedback. I think a lot of the methodology that they use to make updates and changes to the game has evolved over time, and it's only gotten better. Nothing is perfect, right? Nothing. There are absolutely parts of the game that still, you know, need some work for certain certain aspects of it. Um, but it's from where we started to where we are now, leaps and bounds, uh, in a way that, you know, I don't think a lot of people thought. And I every time they announce something new coming, even if it's just a small quality of life change. It's so great because I think about a time when we didn't have that and I'm like, wow, this is fantastic. So I personally, I, you know, I, I think I said this before Witch Queen came out, I was encouraging people. I'm like, got to get into it. If you want to play it now is a great time. There's no better time. And then Witch Queen came out and I'm like, if you're not playing this, you really should be <laughs> because this is the best destiny has been in a very, very long time. Destiny has evolved pretty substantially since the game first came out. You know, I, I, I briefly talked about this last week uh, with one of my friends, but uh, we talked about how the developers are much more transparent about so many things in the game than where the game was when it first came out. I think Bungie as a company was very secretive about, I would say, almost everything. And... Now I think there's a lot more transparency in terms of what's coming up next, where it almost feels like we're building the game together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I agree. Justin, what do you think about the current state of Destiny 2? Um, so for PvE side of it, I love it. Um, when the Witch Queen campaign launched, the story was like amazing, but them adding the legendary campaign option, um, kind of making it like a semi contest mode was so much fun. And especially having that, um, having it like scale up, um, depending on how many people you have that brought like a whole different element to playing together, which like they had that scale in the division and it was just so much fun. Um, and then the new raid, it's incredible. Um, the lore is like, it's so nicely done. The armor, the weapons, they're all really solid, not just in the raid, but also like in the nightfalls and occasionally PVP. Yeah. I think PVE is in a really good spot. Justin, I love how you're like, oh, PVE is great. You know, you're, like, you're not talking about PvP. We're not going to talk about yeah, that. We're not. It's trying not to focus. I was when I said it wasn't perfect. That's what I was referencing. It's trying not to be. <laughs> just to, you know, it's 
is a sore spot, I think, you know for a lot of I people. I will tell you one thing. What got me concerned about PvP, it was like about a year and a half ago when they first announced, hey, PvP is going free to play. To me, that was like, oh, what's happening here? Because any time, like as a company, think about it. When you make something free, you have to have a plan for monetizing it and sustaining it. So to me, that meant that maybe they're not going to put as much effort on the PvP side of things. And we're seeing them slowly put more of a focus on PvP. I think the trials changes that they introduced with you know, reintroducing all those new rewards and the weapons, that was a positive change. But I will say that I think they have a long ways to go you know, to make PvP an experience that we can all just be proud of and really have fun in. Yeah, and I I think they are, you know, they and they've mentioned, you know, a handful of times that it's I think that I think if the changes to PVE are any indication, if that same caliber of adjustment is made to PVP, I think it's going to make a lot of people happy, but it's definitely a a long time coming for the PVP community to to see those changes realized. And I I hope that for for someone who doesn't PVP a whole lot in Destiny, really, unless they have to, um, I hope that it it does kind of make it a really. I think I hope that it it creates an experience that is more accessible, but also scaled to the skill level of the people that are playing. Um, and yeah, to to the point that Justin made about you know the the legendary uh, part of the game, I think that was really well done for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that was probably the most special thing for me because going through the campaign on Legendary, I had so many holy shit moments where the game made me feel something. And I'm going to be completely honest, the last time that I really felt something in the game was probably when they killed Cade. Like that was the expansion that really made me feel something. And I was like, I can't believe this. And it was so great to get that feeling from a narrative perspective. And there's so much lore and so much depth tone cover between Sabathun's throne world, the end game focus that Bungie is putting more effort on, which we will, we're going to talk more about that when we dive into the weekly update, because there's a lot to uncover with that. But I think there's so much that Bungie is really doing. I think they're focusing on one piece and one aspect of the game at a time. I I don't think that PvP is necessarily abandoned. I think that it's going to have its moment to shine, but it's going to be later on in the in the game because they're trying to really focus on the things that are going to really make the game better one aspect at a time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what do you all think about the end of the campaign without spoiling too much for anyone who hasn't <laughs> finished the campaign which if you haven't come on what are you doing it's been a while. get in there get in there what and knock both, it out how what do you both think of the ending uh how everything kind of unfolded at the end i i loved it um i think you hit the nail on the head i think that the legendary campaign was such a fantastic thing for them to introduce i love that i can replay the story missions because I think that, and we'll we'll talk about this a little bit later too, but I think 
part of what makes Destiny such a special game is the story and the lore and all of what they've built up from a narrative perspective. And I think from a storytelling standpoint, this was some of the best storytelling that they've done. And so very similar to what your experience, I definitely had some, oh, holy crap moments when we were playing through the campaign and it was just incredible. And, and by the end, I'm with you in that I, I felt something and I, I really wasn't sure that what we did was the right thing to do. Um, and we're going to have to see how it plays out you know, when we get to Lightfall in the final shape, because I don't think that we should have done what we did, but I don't think, I don't think we had a choice, but at the same time, I feel like it's like, I don't know that this is good, but we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, no, totally. What about you, Justin? Um, so I'm kind of the same for me. Like I was still in most of the campaign or most of the legendary campaign solo. Um, so I definitely had that like oh shit moments, especially during the last couple missions. But I think what really stood out to me was like in the past, whenever I do a campaign, um, I would like always have to check out like a my name is by video or my or Mylan video to kind of like understand it. Um, but with this one, it's, it's like sort of like open-ended where I agree. I don't think we did the right thing, but I can see how some people think we did. Yeah, no, that's really interesting. And I think not everything is in actuality as how it seems. So I think there's a lot right. that the story can bring and unfold that will maybe make more sense later on as we go into the story. I think the light and dark saga is not yet over. And I think there's going to be more that we will see as the truth unfolds, so to speak. Mm hmm. It's going to be really exciting to see where it goes because, you know, I enjoy playing the good guy and the bad guy. It's like when you had to make the decision with the drifter, are you going to be on the light side or the dark side? Like you pick. And I think it's really cool how the game is kind of like forcing you in one direction as it maybe seems, but there's so many different elements and so many different storylines that are kind of open plot lines where it's like you're wondering like what's going to happen with this person what's going to happen with that person and i think that's really interesting to see that come together in such a really cool way definitely mm -hmm. i know it is how i'm being very vague right now yeah yeah it's maybe, hard maybe it's we'll hard do an episode to... where it's like boiler episode where we're gonna just give you the sauce but uh we're gonna plan that for a future one uh, we're not going to do that here tonight. Sign me up for that. <laughs> hey, speaking of sauce, I'm curious. What's what's your favorite food? What do you guys like to eat? Oh, you know, I this question is always so hard. Um, If you can categorize breakfast as a food, then breakfast is my answer. Um, If if I had to be specific uh, to a particular part of breakfast, uh, 
this is gonna sound weird but like eggs um i'm a big i'm the cook in the house i love cooking it's it's one of the, my favorite hobbies to do like just in general but like that's it's like a passion it's very relaxing for me and i like finding a new recipe and like figuring out how complicated it might be and and testing it out and making it work and it's uh it's just it's one of my favorite things but like breakfast is my favorite thing to make all the time but you can and eggs can be so many different things uh you can make them really any way you want to how to fit any person's preference like and and if there's a way if you don't like eggs then I feel like you have not tried enough eggs at a certain point in time. If you're allergic and you can't have them, that's a different thing. But breakfast, 100%. This is really interesting because I'm going to just come out and say it. I have not had enough eggs or something <laughs> because <laughs> my, my favorite part of breakfast is coffee. And that, that'll tell you a whole lot. Like that's, that's what fair. I do. That's my breakfast. And I have been obsessing about trying to eat breakfast every morning because I know it's an important part of my day. Mm -hmm. We have this donut place and don't laugh. That's my breakfast, a donut and coffee when I make it out to get the donut. But that's a whole nother story. Um, but yeah, I, I haven't I've never been a huge fan of the breakfast thing, but I'm, I'm trying. I love bacon. I'm a big bacon fan. Oh, yeah. Bacon, yep. bacon yeah. is is life. So, you gotta have bacon. What? So sell me on the eggs part because yeah, you know I, I want to know like what am I missing out on? So uh, let's see. so first of all, I'm never gonna judge you for your coffee or donut choices because that's like I set up my coffee to I we have a coffee maker and it's set up the night before to brew in the morning. I'm up like way too early, as I'm sure you could probably tell from my messages back and forth to you every day. Um, eggs are versatile in that you can flavor them however you want. You can cook them really a bunch of different ways. If you're a texture person, there's a lot of different options. If you're trying to get into breakfast, but you're not a big eggs person, but you're a big bacon person. And if you're a potato person, and I don't know how many, I don't know too many people that are not potato people because potatoes, I'm, I'm pretty sure hold the key to everlasting life. And I'm sure someone will figure that out. But breakfast burrito is my recommendation to you. Find a place that you can get a solid breakfast burrito. It'll change your life. You're making me want Taco Bell, right? That's a solid breakfast. Look, I would totally go get Taco Bell right now. Absolutely. Taco Bell breakfast is delicious. That is, <laughs> so yeah, I would is. absolutely. But a breakfast burrito can be like your gateway breakfast food. Because you can really customize it to be whatever you want it to be. It doesn't have to have a bunch of extra stuff in it. And the eggs just kind of pull it all together. You sold me in the potatoes thing now. Now I want like potatoes and eggs. We're going to figure something out. You're going to see pictures on Twitter probably tomorrow morning because I'm going to wake up extra early, which means I'm not getting sleep. But that's a whole nother topic. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> so, Justin, what about you? What's, what's, your, what's your guilty pleasure when it comes to food? Um... So if I'm just like chilling at home after work, um, I usually try and have some margarita pizza. Ooh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just always like, I don't know, just super good. Man, I, you're making me want pizza for dinner. And 
I'm from New York, so like pizza is pizza's oh, home, yes. you know. So like I know all about pizza. Uh, I'm in Florida now, so we don't get pizza like we do back home. But we used to have this pizza place. It was like a mom and pop shop, and it was like pretty close to where I lived. And late night, like that place was open till like three in the morning because it was in a college town. So those are the know, best places the thing to get. Yeah. And those people worked so hard. They made the best freaking pepperoni pizza. And let me tell you, no shame in my game. Four days out of my week. Guess what I had? I had pepperoni pizza. But yes. not only did I have pepperoni pizza, I had that with ranch. You add a oh, side yeah. of ranch to that. Oh, yeah. mm-hmm, you you mm-hmm. tell me that's not the best thing in the world. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Ranch for dipping, 100%. And if you're in ranch Florida, is great you know, with everything. Mellow mushroom is the closest that I think I ever found to like good pizza up north. That was like the best thing I could find from a comparison standpoint. Totally. Uh, I'm going to get some pizza. We actually have a pretty good place out here. We have one good place. I'm sure there are others, but you know, I haven't found them and I'm very picky with my pizza, especially. But uh, there is a place out here that I could get. But. They're not open late. They close at like nine o'clock. By the time this podcast is over, guess what? Everything's closed. Oh, I'm going to be getting Popeyes tonight because that's the only thing that's open till that hour. <laughs> that is absolutely an acceptable substitute. That is. I do love my chicken sandwich from Popeyes. Shout outs to Popeyes. Mm-hmm. They make some good, not sponsored, by the way. Not yet. Not yet. Working on that. Working on that, Guardians. So. My favorite food, and some of you might know this based on how we rate the weekly update, hint, hint, but I like sushi. I'm a sushi fan, and I uh, and it's yeah. got to be done right, because if it's not done right, then, you know, it's not the best sushi. Um, you can't just get supermarket sushi and think you made it. That's not it. Um, but the best sushi that I had was in Vegas, because if you go to Vegas, they don't they don't cheap out like they want you to stay and gamble and spend money so they bring the best fish the best food and let me tell you they had the best spicy tuna rolls ever and uh to this day i just want to go to vegas to go eat some sushi and don't judge me but <laughs> make the best sushi and then also back home where I'm from, we actually had like a ton of really cool mom and pop sushi places just open up. And it was all like really amazing sushi. So it became the thing that I get, I would say almost on a daily basis, like to a point where I had to like wonder, do I need to check about mercury poisoning? Because I'm kind (laughs) of eating raw fish a little too often now. Um, But it's great because it's like finger food so I can get shit done while I'm having sushi and it's healthy and yeah, it's not like too filling, but it's not something that will leave you hungry at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, okay. I love sushi. That's so good. So that's my sushi talk, but on a slightly more serious topic besides sushi, we know that PlayStation bought a little company 
we may have heard about before. Sony PlayStation acquired Bungie. And that was, what, back in March last month? Mm-hmm. And still fairly new. I'm, I'm curious, what do you both think about this little acquisition that Sony PlayStation made? Uh, I think it's great. I think that, you know, first and foremost, I think Bungie did the right thing by coming forward right away letting people know that like this isn't going to be platform exclusive there's not going to be you know stuff that people on playstation get that others don't get you know you're still going to be able to play destiny on the platform you want when you want it with the people that you want to play it with um i think if anything this really helps bungie from a overall resource standpoint and from an expansion standpoint in a different media outlets um this way, you know, if they wanted to do a TV show or they wanted to do a movie, they could do that. They have that availability, that resource pool now in Sony to be able to make something like that happen. Um, it also lets them hire more people, which is so good, you know, and it, it lets them expand their overall just employee base. Um you know, having people work for you is not cheap. <laughs> and the thing that they're making is time consuming. It's time consuming and it's difficult to make a video game and to do all the other things that they do on top of making a video game. Um, and it's not as if they only make Destiny, you know, they, they're going to expand and they're going to make other stuff. Um, and this is going to let them do that. And so I personally think it's, it's a great move for them. Um, I think it only really can mean good things from from everything I saw and read. Uh, those are totally valid points. And, you know, these are actually the things that I'm actually really excited for because Sony, I mean, they make movies, they make TV shows, they have connections within the entertainment industry that I think can really help Destiny as a franchise. Um. I'm going to say something else that's, that we probably have not talked about. And this is something that was brought up during the TWAB, which we're going to mention briefly later on. But I want to talk about it here in a little bit more depth. And it's that Xbox lost Destiny 2 with Game Pass. Like, that's gone, right? Mm -hmm. So it really makes me wonder, with Sony putting more focus on building out their version of Xbox Game Pass. Do we see a future where we're going to be incentivized to go out and spend money on a PlayStation Plus Ultimate, whatever they call it, in order to get the Ultimate Destiny experience? Is that something that you both see on the horizon? I don't think so. No. I, I think that PlayStation Plus and their, the expansion of their services is something that's been in the works for a while. Um, and, you know, there have been little bits and pieces of it that have come out over time. But I think this new model that they're using is to bring them in line competitively with Xbox Game Pass. But I don't think it's going to, I, I don't really believe it's going to impact our Destiny experience. I think that ultimately they want people to be on the same playing field when it comes to access to the game and purchasing the game. Um, you know, and I think that when you have a situation where like with Game Pass, you had access to the game without really buying it, um, 
you know, they're, I think they're just trying to bring it all together and bring it in line. I don't think that there's going to be a situation where we get more on the PlayStation service with Destiny than we get across anything else. I think what they're trying to do is standardize how you purchase Destiny, basically, um, which I don't, I don't personally see an issue with. No, that's a very valid point. And what do, what do you think, Justin? Um, so kind of going back on like the PlayStation exclusives. So they had a lot of exclusives back in Destiny 1 that a lot of people on the Xbox side were really annoyed with. And towards like the end of D1, um, all the um all the community managers and game devs noticed that um and took all of them out which even as a PlayStation player like it made me feel relieved so it didn't have like that almost like console war for D2 um and then when they introduced crossplay um yeah there were problems at first but just bringing everybody together um helped a ton no i i think you're bringing up some really valid points and you're right like i think that in the past sony had exclusivity to a degree that we're never going to see again right because we're never going to see any activity in the game be locked from any platform that's never going to happen i think that bungie made it very clear that they're not about that and i do think that there are terms put in place to preserve that desire to keep that universal gameplay across all platforms Mm -hmm. i will challenge one thing and say that i will see two potential things happening i think certain emotes certain ships or sparrows or whatever things like that could become an exclusive item and the reason i say that is because we have seen bungie work with companies like amazon and twitch to promote twitch prime by creating exclusive rewards for that right also other companies have seen digital items in game be bundled with a specific physical item like for example you buy the sabathun statue and with the statue you get an emblem you know or you buy destiny 2 from a specific you know store and you get an exclusive item that's unique to that although i i don't think i've seen that happen lately so i don't think that's necessarily part of their strategy i do see a thing occurring where Bungie essentially gives you silver or skins that are exclusive to PlayStation in the future. And I also think for Sony buying Bungie, it's several things. One, it's leverage because remember who owns Call of Duty, right? Microsoft now owns Call of Duty. And when you own an IP, as massive as Call of Duty and especially as important for Sony as as a platform, I think it, it makes people concerned that, hey, once that contract runs out, what's going to happen? 
So I do think there is a level of of that there. Um, but I think in the short term, this is really great for Bungie. And I think it's going to give them a lot of revenue that they need in order to really scale as a business. And I trust their leadership team that they're going to make the right decisions for the future of Destiny. So I, I do see positive coming out of this overall. But I, I do have some concerns because I remember a time when the idea of being closer with Sony and PlayStation was not the best thing. And I still feel that PlayStation as a platform, it's not like they changed their business model or what they believe or I would say a profit first approach to their platform. So I think we have a ways to go, but I think this is really a positive uh, thing for Destiny and for Bungie. It definitely is. So we talked about the Destiny community a little bit previously in terms of what it means for you. And I'm curious about some of the people that you met in the community that really stand out. And I'm sure, Justin, you probably met a lot of really cool people in the Destiny community. I'm wondering, like, who, who stands out for you? Who, who's a really cool person that you met? Was there a really cool story that you can share from your time being a mod and doing what you do? Oh, man. Um, there's been, like, so many incredible people. Um, so let me start with my clan that I'm in right now. Um, so back in around the launch of King's Fall, um, I met a lot of people in my current clan that I'm still, like, best friends with. Um, most of them are kind of like my age, like mid thirties. They're all super nice, um, super helpful and just like great people to get to know. And if we're talking on the streamer side, um, just like meeting the maze, just having that level of positivity and that motivation, just having it like it really hits sometimes if I'm having like a bad day or something, just going into stream like instantly cheers me up. That uh, it's so interesting you mentioned a maze because he, you know. I'm not big on just watching people play a game like that's not my thing. And I'm I'm pretty open about that. Like, it's no offense to anybody who does streaming. It's just like, I'd rather play the game. But I, I do pop in. And I support content creators. But I would say the one person where I can just go in and just hang out in his stream. And it's like, it's just positivity and cool. Right. And like, I'm still playing the game while I'm hanging out. But there's something really cool about him and what he does in the community. And I think he's a very special person in this community. Like there's something very special about him between his energy and his talent. And I'm really excited to see what he accomplishes in this community, because for him, I know 
you know, he's one of those people who started from nothing. He earned that check mark. He earned where he's at right now. So I have nothing but respect for Amaze and um, he's doing some really great stuff. He definitely is. So what about you, Jamie? Have you had any cool stories that you've experienced in the community? Anyone really cool that you met that really resonates for you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've I've met a few people just through, you know, like running random stuff. But the person who sticks out for me the most is uh, is Pwnstar. So he is he is one of the OGs of Twitch. Um, he's been on the platform for a really long time. He I think was one of their first partners. He then, you know, I think he tried the mixer thing for a little while and then, and then came back to Twitch and like, he does YouTube content. He does, he's learning to to deal with the madness that is TikTok now. And I think that when I first met him, he was probably the first streamer that I met who was like a big streamer. And like, when you come into somebody's stream like that for the first time, it's very intimidating because you don't know how they're going to be. And he was one of the most welcoming, nice people uh, that I had ever met in the community. And like, he's, he's a great down to earth person. Like, he's just very honest. Um, he's very, you know, like, he's just very honest. He's a very real person. He's an adult with an adult life. And this is the thing that he loves to do. And he loves to do, he and I are on a, a very similar wavelength and like what we want to achieve within the destiny community as a whole and just within the gaming community. And so like meeting him and then meeting more people in the community that he's built. Um, I've met some really, really freaking great people, but he, he stands out for me as just one of those. He's, he's one of those like silent pillars of the destiny community. I think more people should know about him and go hang out and interact with him. Cause he's just, he's a really, really great dude. Uh, yeah, I'd love to learn more about him. I, I don't think I've come across him, but it would be cool to learn more. And I'm always looking to meet new guardians on the podcast and to learn about all the cool guardians out there. So that's that's really awesome. And I think for me, I met I met a lot of really cool people in this community. I think Phil, <laughs> P Tibbs. He was like the first uh, big guest, quote unquote, that we had on the show. And I, he was like really, really early on. I was such a blueberry. I think I was still using Skype to record. So that really tells you a lot about where we were at. And, you know, in a way, he was excited to be on a Destiny podcast. I was excited to have a guest because I think he was like the third guest that we had on the show. And if you think about it, like, the other guests that we had were kind of friends, I would say, ish people in the clan, you know. So, but he was like the first one, and in a way, it was like shit. I just got a game developer, not only a game developer, but a founder of this gaming company. So, like shit, I gotta bring it now, you know. <laughs> so, um, I I spent a lot of time just researching what the hell I was doing because at that point I was like, okay, well now I started a podcast, so like I can't just go half ass. I have to figure out what I'm doing, and that gave me a lot of motivation to kind of keep going and to realize that maybe I can book people on the show. Maybe like the first three people ignored it, but maybe the fourth one didn't, and that mattered, you know. So 
that was a big thing for me as far as like podcasting in Destiny goes. I would say the other big one was probably Rami. Uh, Rami is really, really awesome. He He's the founder of, uh, I want to say Lambeer Studios. Like he's, he's a pretty big video game industry legend, I would say. And what was really cool about that for me was the fact that, one, <clears throat> he was probably the biggest guest that we've had. But, I mean, it wasn't even about the size of the guest. I think that was really cool that I was able to get him on. Um, but the circumstances behind it were so freaking cool because <clears throat> the guest that we were scheduled to have that week bailed. And that was like the first time that that ever happened to me. Right. So I was fucking crushed. And I was like, I have a podcast scheduled for tomorrow, but I don't know what the hell I'm doing because the guest we had on just bailed. So. I reached out to Rami and I was like, I met him during um, PAX East. There we go. Okay. So PAX East. So I met him in, during PAX East. And I figured, you know, maybe I'll just try it out because we're not following each other. But I noticed he's on social media. He's posting some cool things. And at that point, we were still pretty small. So I messaged him because his DMs were open. I was like, hey, uh, we need a guest for the podcast. And I noticed that you like destiny. Would you be interested? He's like, yeah, when is it? Uh, tomorrow. And he was like, yeah, no problem. I'll make it work. And let me tell you, first off, I was really scared shitless because I never had anybody like that on the podcast, nor did I still know what I was doing back then. Um, so I spent about, 30 minutes playing Beat Saber before because I was like, fuck, I can't do this. No way. Because I was going to cancel on him, okay? I'm glad I didn't because I learned a lot that day. It gave me a new level of respect for publishers and the video gaming industry as a whole where I didn't only think about, you know, one company or like one game. And I think that was a time when I stopped hating Activision so much and that was probably before like all of the really bad stuff happened with what's his name Bobby Kotick yeah uh, but before that I thought you know game publishers are just sharks trying to make more money and trying to milk the gamers but then after talking to him I really developed a new level of respect for what the gaming industry is and everybody that is a part of that. So that was a really special moment for me and someone that I really respect a lot in this industry. Yeah, that's awesome. On a slightly lighter subject, what's your guilty pleasure? Could be anything. Food, music, destiny. Although I will, I will hold it against you if you say destiny. <laughs> that's... That's kind of a cop out. Okay. So what's your guilty pleasure? Probably Gambit and country music, I would say. Those are the two things off the top of my head. I you would not know that I enjoy country music, uh, but given the the music that I listen to like 90% of the time, but there's a there's a fair amount of country music I I do enjoy. It's a well kept well, not anymore. It was <laughs> a well kept anymore. secret. Um, which is fine. And then uh, I'd say probably 
even in all of its, you know, under construction state, I still do love Gambit a lot. I have a love-hate relationship with Gambit. I'm going to be totally honest with you. That's understandable. Um, so I, think I, got my, I got my, what's the title? Uh, Dredgen. Dredgen title. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. Everything was easy except for one thing. The invading part. I don't, I don't invade ever. Like, that's not a thing. So, like, getting those invasions took me a really long time. So by the time I was done, like that was the last thing I had to get done. Uh-huh. And it took me like 10 times longer to actually get that done. So by the time I was done, I was like, fuck, I'm so tired of this. I don't want to play Gambit anymore. I'm done. And uh, after I got that title, I think I kind of stopped playing Gambit so much. Uh-huh. But it's always fun to come back to, you know, because it gives you that bit of variety as you're leveling up your character. And I started playing more Gambit. You know, to get my character up to level with uh, the Witch Queen. So that was fun. But I need to get back into Gambit more. I, they need to give me more of a reason to play Gambit. Like, yeah. give, me, yeah. give me the works, man. Give me an icebreaker. I'll mm-hmm. play Gambit all day if you give me an icebreaker. I promise. Yeah, uh, no kidding. Let me Make give that happen. Give me, give me, find a way to connect Gambit with uh, bringing back the uh, Black Armory weapons. I'm in. I'll do it. I'll do whatever you tell me to do. <laughs> Bungie, are you listening? We're going to make that happen. Same thing with Iron Banner. You make an Iron Banner seal, I will play Iron Banner. I, w- I cannot stay away from it. I, th- I think they are going to be. Yeah, I think they are too. They, they hinted at it, uh, not in this twab, but the one from last week. And I read that and I went, well... Guess I'm playing Iron Banner then when that comes out because I will not. I that was I back in the 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 before times. Uh, I I love I loved Iron Banner. I, it was one of my favorite PvP things when it came out. Um, Rise of Iron was my favorite expansion. Um, and I because for a lot of different reasons, but Iron Banner now is just so tough. And like I know that I say that, and then I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna have to play some Iron Banner before resets. I gotta get this stuff done and use all my tokens and stuff like that but yeah same thing with with gambits like yeah even if in all of its various states not bad i love iron banner i wish i wish they brought all of the old iron banner weapons from d1 back into d2 and the armor for transmog yes and the armor i want my radagast fury oh Oh i want it now Wow. <laughs> let's bring that back. Let's let's talk about that, Bungie. I know it can't be that hard to do. And that's gonna make things really fun. Now, we always end our discussion with the Guardians by asking something that is about your future and what you're planning on doing next. So on that topic, what is next for you in your journey in the Destiny community? Jamie, do you want to kick things off? Yeah, sure. Um, I think really, you know, for me, and I, I, I'm a, I'm a planner, so this is broken out into timeframes. But I, I think for me, first and foremost, growing the community and and expanding on the content that I produce. You know, I, I stream part time. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing it five days a week. So the time that I have available to do stuff is limited. But I want to expand the type of content that I create beyond just streaming. 
um, you know, whether it be YouTube or expanding on the podcast or, or something like that. Um, just, I, I like creating resources for people. Um, so I want to, to expand upon that quite a bit. Um, and then, you know, as I'm growing to the community, reach out to more people and, and find more ways to give back. Um, you know, I've done fundraisers for stack up the last couple of years in November, uh, around veterans day. And that's been really, really wonderful and really fulfilling. Um, I'd love to work with guardians mental health. I think what they do is fantastic. I have one of their kits. It sits on my desk. Um, and I use it, you know, pretty frequently. I think they, they have great resources for people, but working with more organizations like that to be able to give back to people, uh, is another big thing on my list. And then, and expanding and working with more people in the community and, and, kind of getting out of my comfort zone and, and reaching out to more people. It was, it, those are the things that are really on my list for me for what's next. Love that. These are really great causes and, you know, I'm excited to see where you go and all the cool things that you cultivate with your community in destiny. Thank you. And what about you, Justin? What's, what's, what's next for you? So I'm probably going to keep doing um some end game sherpas um mostly with Val the disciple um just trying to help out as many guardians as possible um kind of get like just kind of gaining like the experience in because I know most of them are probably like brand new to Destiny, so they don't have that network of people. Um, just basically giving them a safe space to play. Love that. Love that. And, you know, I, I think that it's really important to have people who can help especially as Bungie makes crazy content that's so difficult to beat. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, it's really awesome that you're doing that. And um, I actually didn't know that you were planning on doing Sherpa-related stuff or that you even did that. So that's pretty cool because I, I knew about your moderation stuff that you're doing. But I didn't know that you were also involved with doing Sherpa stuff. So that's really cool. What kind of Sherpa stuff do you do primarily? Um, so I'll do, um, pretty much any raid, um, mostly Val, um, Bottle Glass, I, I love, um, I haven't really done Garden that much, um, but starting next season, I'll definitely get back into it. Really cool. Well, if we can support you in any way with your journey as a Destiny Community Sherpa, door is, of course, always open, my friend. So excited to see where that goes. And we normally don't do this, but I guess I'll share with you all what we're working on in this community. We're going to be growing the podcast a bit. We're actually working on a bunch of stuff behind the scenes in terms of the guests that we're booking and 
some of the other things that we're doing. And for me, there are two things that I'm trying to be more intentional about this year. And one of them is uh, GCX and GuardianCon, or not GuardianCon, excuse me, St. Jude's. Um, I'd like to support their efforts a bit more than what we've been able to do in the past. Um, so definitely working on some really cool incentives that if they pan out, it's going to be really, really cool. And um, in May, we're going to be booking some really cool guests on the show that will talk about some really important topics that are closely related to St. Jude's and all of the cool things that they're doing out there. So really excited to share more about that um, and to do more with giving back. So I, because I think that's really so important. And also, I've been very intentional with, with building out more of a community. Uh, and it's probably going to be in Discord, but you'll notice more stuff like um, LFG things, more Sherpa things that we're going to be doing. So I'm really excited to be more intentional about bringing people together to build a really cool place for all Guardians and um, something that I've been more intentional about. But definitely something that we will be sharing more with you in the not too distant future and we're going to be doing some really cool things to do more podcasting for the community because you know this community means a lot for me and everything that it stands for and i'm excited to build a place where we can all just have fun and talk about the games that we love to play so excited for that and guardians we have a few more things to talk about here on the show we're going to be diving into Endgame and more specifically, not only Endgame, but Grandmaster Nightfalls. And on the topic of Grandmaster Nightfalls, we're going to talk about a few things here with Grandmaster Nightfalls and lore. And I'm curious, we've had pretty much, in my opinion, that's kind of the only thing left. Like after you beat the raid, you've got all the drops. The endgame content now seems to be focused on GM Nightfalls. What are your thoughts on the current state of Grandmaster Nightfalls in this season of Destiny? Yeah. Um, I mean, so a couple of things. I don't think GMs are the only endgame content, but they are kind of the bigger piece of endgame content to your point. You know, if you if you've done the raid. Um, you know, and you're you're through it outside of the master version of the raid, like GMs are kind of the top of the pyramid from a, a PVE activity standpoint. Um for I've been doing GMs now for two or three seasons, maybe two, two or three. I can't remember now. They all blur together. But um I think that I think this particular season's grouping of gms is very interesting i was a little surprised to see that both of the new strikes were going to be gms um but you know then again they did that with you know proving grounds and and glassway and stuff like that so like i guess it's not really that surprising but the fact that there's two of them um you know is is pretty crazy and then you have scarlet keep and glassway and Scarlet Keep is not terrible, but I think that uh, Glassway gave me some PTSD the last time I tried to run it. And then you have um, you have Arms Dealer and Fallen Saber, which 
I think are really great for people who have never done a GM before because they're not they're not necessarily short, um, but they're they're relatively easy. You know, they're not super complicated from like a mechanic standpoint. Um, they kind of introduce some basic concepts for GMs if you've never done them before uh, that that you then become familiar with. Um, for some of the other ones, so like. Fallen Saber is a great example of that. You know, you have the war set that hits, you have you stand within the circle to secure the war set, but you're not standing on it the whole time. You're backing off, you're letting the waves of ads come in, uh, killing them, standing on it some more, etc. Um, Scarlet Keep is a little bit like that. You know, you're doing one plate at a time for that. Glassway's a little bit like that too. So I think that they kind of build on each other and that they introduce concepts that you then can relate to with the other ones. Um, I think the, I think the leveling process is usually the biggest gateway to GMs for a lot of people. Uh, I think that it's a big jump to make. Um, and there's, you know, I, one of the things I love about destiny is you really, you really can play the game however you want. There is an easy path to get to a higher level if you choose to do it, but it is a grind. And I think that that is probably something I know that there's, a fair few people in the community that feel like that has to be tweaked and adjusted. I think by this point, I've just gotten used to it and I understand and accept it. Um, but I know that that's a really big gateway for people. And I think that a lot of people, by the time they get to a place where they're level to do GMs, um, you know, the season might be almost over. So I think that one of the really nice changes that I liked is that if you've gilded Conqueror already, that catch up node was available immediately. Um, it still functions the same way that it did last season, but it's available right now for you to do, which is nice because sometimes you just want to get the hard ones out of the way and get it done and not worry about it. Um, but I think that, I think overall GMs are really, they're a really nice challenge for people. It's just about getting leveled and getting there. Um, that I think is the biggest hurdle for some folks that aren't, you know, playing the game as much or, you know, don't, uh, you know, they're not running bounties every day and, and stuff like that. You can get there. It just takes some time. But then once you do get there, I think they're really rewarding. It resonates with me, especially because I think I'm that person who plays catch up at the end to try to get the ability to play the GM Nightfall because I'm not a hardcore player like you all. Like I have limited time to play. I don't think I'm leveled up to even play the GM right now. Like, I'll be honest, I just haven't had the time between client work and working on the podcast and everything else that I'm doing. I just had limited time to play. So, like, if I play, it's like I have the time to play a new campaign or the new raid or whatever. But it's not really the time to level up my character to where it needs to be for me to play that activity. And I think that's that's been a challenge for me. So I hope that there could be a, a easier way and perhaps it could be giving you faster incentives to level up by playing things like raids, for example. Um, I think that could be perhaps a good option, but I even think that the climb on the pinnacle level, I think it's too slow getting one piece. That's one level higher. I, I think it's throttled so much that 
it, it, it's almost demotivating because it's like I have to play so many raids to get to that level where it's like, is it worth it? Well, I think, though, that so you make an interesting point, and I, I say this, you know, when I mentioned before, there's a way to do it efficiently. There is a way to do it efficiently, and starting with raids is not the way to do it. Um, you know, I think that the the leveling grind is just that. It is absolutely a grind. But there is a way to have those pinnacles have a lot of impact in your leveling. You know, they, they've created this system where you get, you know, you, so when you, we all started Witch Queen, everybody was in the same place. You play through the campaign. By the time you get through the campaign, you're at about 1520. At some point in there, you hit 1500. You're at powerful cap. Then you can start to do the powerful rewards, like doing the bounties for Vanguard and Crucible and Gambit and Banshee. And then there are other powerfuls that were introduced as part of the campaign. So Altars of Reflection, Wellspring, the weekly campaign, um, things like that. And then when you finally get to that pinnacle cap, then pinnacles, a plus two is huge at that point. You know, it, it's a it's way more impactful than if you're doing it when you're at 1500. And I think that one thing that Bungie could improve upon from a quality of life standpoint, I know we're going to talk about this later, um, is to kind of outline that a little bit more. There are a lot of third-party tools that help with this. Um, you know, it, Dim, LightGG, uh, Destiny Optimizer, D2 Recipes, all of these um, are huge external resources. Um, but internally, I think that Bungie could do a good job of saying, hey, you know, before you go try to do the raid, uh, saying, hey, you know, if you do these powerfuls, you'll get to here with your leveling somehow, you know, like whether and, and I think that they. A big pet peeve of mine <laughs> is, you know, I'm at 1560 on everything, but like my helmet and I run pinnacles and I can't get a helmet to drop. It's everything but a helmet. And I think that. While it would take a little bit of time, people who don't have a whole lot of time, it is absolutely a grind. But then where do you start? You know, becomes that question that I think a lot of people ask. Yeah, no, very interesting point there. I, I think for me, you know, it's it's definitely more about optimizing the way that I level up. So I definitely think you brought up some really valid points there that can cut down the time that you have to spend overall. Um, I'm wondering if maybe a mechanic that allows for you to catch up somehow, like maybe if you do a legendary campaign, you get a set of gear that's like one tier higher. You know, something something that would allow for you to level up more predictably where it's not as much rng based mm -hmm. well they did they did do that with the legendary campaign when you finished it you got a 1520 like a full set of 1520 blues yeah but it was only up to up to the powerful cap i believe right it was yes uh, 1520 i think was the, yeah. like that those dropped up yeah like i'm wondering if it would make sense for them to create Maybe 
an even harder version of the legendary campaign where like if you complete the campaign maybe you'll get a pinnacle that's one level higher so by the time that you complete the campaign on legendary on the highest difficulty 10 times and maybe that's extreme i'm not saying you should all do this but just an idea but if you do it x number of times you get you know gear that takes you to that level whether it be 10 five times whatever it is i think that would create more like certainty with how you level up and allow for you to know that okay if i do this once a week by this point i'll get there so you're saying rather than have a bunch of different activities that you can run to give you small incremental boosts to your level to have almost like a an activity that kind of boosts you up a little bit more than that at all at one time take it a step further and say that don't really remove anything that's leveling you up currently but just add that extra harder difficulty with the legendary campaign as you were able to achieve the powerful gear that was at that light level maybe have something that allows for you to get a plus two across everything that you get much like how your powerful armor dropped to have something that's in the pinnacle tier but it's all tied to doing the legendary campaign and you do it on a higher difficulty so essentially by the time that you do it five times if you choose to go that route you can at that point play grandmaster nightfalls it's definitely an interesting yeah. concept i think i'm onto something Bungie, I will take my 10%. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. What do you think, Justin? What's what's your take on this? What what do you think is the current state of leveling up? I mean, you're a beast, you're doing Sherpa things. What's your take on it? So I'm kind of in the same spot. Um I have my hunter and warlock at 1560 um base. Um my Titan is, I think, one piece away. Yeah, one piece away from 1560. Um, but I was thinking if they had something like they did in D1, where at least for like the Vanguard, the Crucible, um, and maybe Gambit, like every time you do three activities, um, you get like a rank up package, and you could go, um, you go to like Savala and choose like okay, I want um like a primary weapon, um. Or I want a chess piece, um, which would all be pinnacle. Um, instead of having it be just totally random. I actually really like that because then that takes away the randomness of the drop. So that way you're not getting boots 25 times because let me tell you. <laughs> We all know. We've, we've been there. You guys know what I'm talking about. 
And that's, you know, it's demotivating. Like if I'm going to go and play three strikes or whatever, five nightfalls, which I don't know what I think it's five nightfalls. And by the end of it, I get the same thing that does not level me up. Guess what? I don't want to do this anymore. I'm done. Like at that point, it it's demotivating, right? Right. So I think it's interesting that we talked about that because that's another I would say an opportunity for them to improve on the game by taking away that randomness from your drops during that pinnacle gameplay because of how challenging the activity is. So like that drop is really important. So when you do get it, you want to make sure that it's going to actually give me something that I need to level up. It may not have the stats that I want. It may not have the perks that I want, but you know it's gonna level you up. Yeah, of course. That's like, like that. a little bit, a little bit like what I mentioned earlier with the ghost mods, right? Like they've created this whole system, being able to apply mods to your ghost. And right now, you have the ability to target, um, you know, specific stats for armor if you wanted to. Um, but to take it one step further from a pinnacle grind standpoint, let's say that you put a mod on there that says, "Hey, from this vanguard pinnacle, I would like armor." Or from this Vanguard Pinnacle, I would like a weapon. Because I think the one thing about Destiny is it is still an RNG-based game. There is still RNG attached to it, right? I think Umbral Focusing has kind of given us the opportunity to target specific weapons or pieces of armor by playing the game the way that it's there. Um, but I think from a Pinnacle grind standpoint, like if I'm doing my three Vanguard strikes for a Pinnacle... Uh, or if I'm doing my three gambit matches or something, and it's like, I know I need a, uh, I know I need a heavy weapon to get that to, you know, pinnacle cap to be able to put that mod on my ghost to say, Hey, okay. From gambit, I would like the pinnacle reward to be a weapon. It doesn't have to be specific to the slot. Um, I think that would be easier for them to potentially do from a development standpoint, because it balances the RNG aspect of everything with trying to target what you need. Um, I think that could be a huge quality of life thing that, that they could use to improve the overall loot grind uh, when it comes to Pinnacle. I mean, I got to 1580, where 15, no, where am I at? 1582, I think, across all three. But it took a long time, you know? I was playing through, I did the legendary campaign solo on my Titan, did it with friends on my Warlock. Um, and it was a grind, but getting that loot at the end was so helpful. It was so, so good. So, but there are definitely ways it could all be improved. This is great. It feels like Destiny Therapy. I think this is going to be a new podcast. We're going to call it the Destiny Therapy Podcast. I'm going to call our friends at Guardians <laughs> Mental Health. We're going to talk. <laughs> this is great. I love it. So that's that's actually motivating for me because you know i've been wanting to do some gm nightfalls and get into some harder content so i think i'm gonna maybe take some time this weekend to get some leveling done with my character so tbd will keep you posted on that but on a slightly different topic on the subject of lore is there anything in the aspect of lore this season that really stands out for the both of you uh all of it no all, <laughs> um, all, all of it should be the answer uh, but no specifically um god they did such a good job they they really did um i think um 
you know, I think Justin mentioned it uh, earlier, all of the lore associated with the raid, I think is incredibly well done. Um, I love that they released preservation um, that lets you kind of get into part of that whole area and start to pull some lore from from that without having to do the raid. I thought that was a really cool thing uh, for them to do because they haven't really uh, done anything like that before. Um, so I thought all the raid lore was incredibly well done. I think that if I had to pick, I mean, I don't want to pick a favorite because again, all of it is so, so good. But I think if I had to pick what was the coolest, um, the conspiracy board <laughs> at the Enclave, I think that's just so cool. It was such a neat way, um, to kind of dig more into Ikora and the hidden and there's a lot in the destiny collectors edition um a lot of little bits around that and then they just had a they did a lore drop earlier today or yesterday um that was super super cool uh it kind of alludes some of it alludes a little bit to our our, our good friend Rasputin maybe coming back sometime hopefully soon um but I think I think that was that whole thing was really neat. I thought that was really, really well done. It was done very creatively. Um, outside of the uh, <laughs> needing to get the specific weapons crafted from Wellspring part, the rest of it was really, really cool. That's really awesome. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I think, I think the lore this season was just epic. It, it like the story itself just really. So many cliffhangers, so many just questions about everything. What would you say, Justin? Um, out for you. I mean, just going back to the raid, like the raid, it's just. The lore is like really well explained in the raid compared to like Deepstone and Garden, um, which is so much nicer. But I loved um, like what Jamie said, just having that evidence board, um, just kind of giving like a behind the scenes of what's happening like outside Sabbath and Straw World. Seventh Dune's throne world, um, and getting that hint that we're gonna go maybe next season visit Rasputin, um, gives us that kind of like that tease, that cliffhanger. Yeah, that the cliffhanger thing definitely sticks out to me because especially in this season, like, I, I want to know what's going to happen next. Right. And the way that everything is tied in from, like, the Sabathun's throne world, and it's a really cool destination, that gives me Dreadnought vibes. Definitely. Big mm -hmm. time. Big time Dreadnought vibes. So I think there's really some really cool potential there to further expand on the uh, lore in the game. And also remember, we're going to be playing more stuff later in the summer and going into 
a tail end going into the fall. So I'm wondering, are we going to get another major expansion this fall? Or are we going to have to wait until February? No, and if we think... do get something this fall, like, where is the story going to go? So Lightfall is the next major expansion. And then after that is the final shape. So I think we'll probably have uh, either two or three more seasons between now and Lightfall. Or, uh, yeah, Lightfall. Um, I think there's a lot of potential from a story standpoint to revisit all the stuff with Rasputin. Um, I'm hoping we get a little bit more Elsie Bray in there somewhere. I think that would be really nice. Um, I think Dreadnought uh, feels like a doesn't feel like a given, but feels very, very. I feel like there's a lot of potential there. Um, but I'm with you in that I like not really knowing what's going to happen next. You know, I think that we had. I think this last season, due to the due to the fact that Witch Queen was, was delayed, which 100% worth the fact that it took as long as it did because it's awesome. Um, you know, I think we had a lot of time in the last season and we, we kind of knew what was going to happen. And there have been little bits and pieces here and there that we've, I feel like we've kind of known, but not 100% known. But now it just feels like completely new territory. And I kind of love that. I, I like not being it, it i kind of compare it a little bit to marvel as well right like you had the marvel cinematic universe as it is right now they're building the avengers they're leading up to this avengers level threat with thanos and endgame and if you've read the comics or you've you know you know anything about marvel you kind of knew that's where we were going but now that that's over and we're rebuilding it's almost like they're starting from scratch again you really don't know what there's so many different possibilities that could that could take place. I feel like Destiny is in a similar spot and I think it's really exciting. I remember getting that tease of Rasputin. Um and I definitely think we're gonna see maybe next season mm -hmm. or yeah, next season, kind of exploring Rasputin's um, background. And I think it's going to be in the way of, like, a few campaign missions, hopefully. Yeah, I'm hoping it becomes the seasonal story. Like, I, I, I think the last time we left off it was anna trying to find a way to put rasputin into an exo and and be able to kind of secure his consciousness after the 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 fleet uh the darkness fleet kind of descended upon us and so like i'm i'm really curious to see if that's what we get next season Definitely. i think that would be so cool and i'm i'm all about if <laughs> not that i i this is like a pipe dream right but i would absolutely love if we got some version of escalation protocol back on Mars somehow, <laughs> that would be so cool. Midnight exit, the midnight exigent set was the first set I transmogged. Um, when we got transmog for my Titan, it was that and the devastation complex chess piece. Cause I just, I loved all the stuff from Mars. I thought it was such a cool thing. Um, 
So I think that would just be, it would be such a cool throwback. And I know that it's like, it's a lot of like older stuff and I know that we're trying to push forward into new things, but man, I'd, I'd, I'd be okay with that coming back. I think that'd be pretty cool. Definitely. No, for sure. Uh, and I, I think for me, um, I would love to see, I want to see like characters come back from destiny one a bit more, uh, especially from the original game. I think that would be really cool. It would really be nice to see them somehow incorporate, um, Xis again. And, uh, the, the Siva raid that we played, um, what was it called? Shit. Wrath of the machine. Wrath. Yeah. Oh, yes. I think that would be so badass. And imagine like having Wrath, but with updated graphics, with the new environment that we're playing in. Like that would be so freaking sick. I'll do oh you one God, better. Yeah. I'll do you one better. Imagine being able to wield Siva as a darkness subclass. Bungie, take my money. Bungie. <laughs> I, I need I needed him. I need it in my life. Yeah, they take enough of my money. I they I say they take it. I give it to them willingly, but yeah. <laughs> I think Bungie is like the only company where it's like I can spend money on it and be like, eh, okay, I feel good about it because I know like I'm supporting a good company and it's a cool game. Like I don't think there's any other game or content that I would spend two hundred dollars on and be like, oh, it's okay. You know, it's a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely. Would, I would agree. I, I oh, have no I have oh. no qualms about the amount of money I spent on stuff. <laughs> I gotta ask on the topic of spending, did anybody get the Sabathun statue? No, I did not. No, I, I I bought the collector's edition and I felt like that was enough for me. Um I I know I have a couple friends who did. Uh and it's it's pretty damn cool, but I did not I did not get the statue. I got I my collector's edition. It arrived like two weeks early. Yes. And like, uh, there was this package and it was like, it said bungee on. I'm like, wait a minute. This can't be it. I opened it up and I freaked out. It was, it was the collector's edition. Yeah. They did a really great job getting that out to people before um, the 22nd of February. Like I, I think that they, their overall distribution uh, of the collector's edition was, was, Awesome. I only know a handful of people who didn't get it right away or got it like maybe the day before. Um, but I think I think they did a really, really solid job with that. What I am going to spend money on when it does finally come out is the Nerf Gallerhorn rocket launcher, though. Uh, that's going to be on my wall somewhere once that comes out. Wait, what is that? They are releasing the Gallerhorn as a Nerf gun. So. It, they basically took the Gallerhorn and yeah, made it a Nerf rocket launcher, and it's going to come with like Nerf rockets. That's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I might have to check that out, but I have a I have an Iron Gallerhorn that I already um, have. That's a toy. So we'll see. We'll see how much space I can fit with uh, Destiny toys. TBD. Uh, but I will definitely check that out. And, um, of course we also have some quality of life changes that we are constantly, I feel like we're getting, 
but you know there can always be more um hint hint vault space and yeah i'm gonna be that guy who says i want more vault space because you know what i hate having to manage my vault um so I'm curious, what about for you both? What would improve the quality of life of Destiny 2, the Witch Queen, for the both of you? Jamie, what do you think? Um, oh gosh, there's so sometimes it's just the little things. Um, and the the biggest quality of life change that I'd like to see isn't really even for me. Um, it's for new new lights. So and it really, you know, we talked a little bit about it before. It has a lot to do with the story. Um, I think that Destiny has a beautiful story. And it's it's a huge story. It's a constantly evolving and ongoing story. Um, and, you know, they Bungie introduced the Destiny content vault for obviously, you know, for good reason. Like, I, I support the fact that they did that. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, because I don't think we'd get the Destiny we have now without it. But I think a lot of the story that the game is built on is just not accessible for people in the game. Now, you have people like Bife um, and Mylan Games who create these epic productions for lore and they tell the story in ways that you wouldn't have thought about. They pick out lore bits that you probably didn't even see. And I think that's really great. But not everybody wants an external experience when it comes to that. They they want an internal experience. Um, they want something in the game. You know, there have been a few people that I've recommended the game to that they've logged in and they're like, I don't know what to do. And I don't know why this is important. And I don't know why I should be killing these people. And I'm like, well, I understand that frustration. <laughs> I, I get that. Because um, the New Light campaign teaches you how to be a guardian, but it doesn't teach you kind of where we came from. So I think what I would really love to see, and I, it would pro it would be a heavy lift on their part. Like I know that this would not be easy, but I would love to see something get incorporated in the game where maybe as a new light, you are in a simulation where you're reliving certain parts of what we've experienced as guardians from like the beginning of Destiny 2, right? Like I'm not talking about D1, but you know, so maybe you go into some kind of simulation. I, w I would have said the infinite forest, but from a story standpoint, that doesn't really make as much sense, but maybe it's something where, you know, we have a way to extract memories from like Zavala and Ikora or whoever to be able to go into the mindscape and you experience that moment when you're in the old tower and Zavala is trying to, you know, he pops his bubble and you're trying to defend yourself from the cabal to get out of the city. And then, you know, there's that moment where we lose our light, um, experiencing that experience, the fight against Gaul experience. Uh, this is out of order experience when we get it back. Um, you know, things like that stuff that's not in the game anymore that tells the history of where we've been without being too much and too overwhelming, but giving Guardians a better idea of the story of where everything came from. I think for me, like I said, like the, the game, there's little things for me that I think could improve the game. But my biggest thing is I want more people to play the game. And I know that I have a lot of people in my community and and other friends who are very story driven gamers. And I, I tell them all the time that the story of the de of destiny is great. But if you're coming into the game now, you don't know all of that. Um, 
So having a more comprehensive and maybe interactive way for new people to understand like, okay, these are the big things that have shaped the mission you have now. That's what I would love to see. That's so well said. And I would also, also make overload intrinsic to all bows. That's a soapbox. That's a hill I'm going to die on. And that's okay. But more, more importantly than that, the, the story stuff. Love it. Yeah, the hill that I'm going to die on is more vault space. So that's the one thing that I want. If you can give me more vault space, I'll be a happy guardian. Uh, and icebreaker, please give me my icebreaker back. That would be awesome. What about you, Justin? Oh, man. Um, wow. Um, I think a big thing for me um, has been doing the Lost Sectors. Um, and if there is a way, like when we first log into D2 for a day, just having a message come up, like, um, today's lost sector is in the dreaming city and it's awarding helmets or something instead of having to go either check um check online which lost sector it is or going through every planet um will help so much yeah no totally like a little icon above even just to be able to see on the map like an icon above whichever planet has the lost sector for that day yeah, yeah definitely. like that and I don't know, I think just make it more accessible to more players. Like, I think for me, taking out the, the I guess, the the randomness in the game, like making things more predictable where it's like, I know that if I need a pair of boots, I can get a pair of boots. Or if I need a chest piece, I can get a chest piece so that my time feels more respected if the RNG is ever against my side. I think that there are certain aspects of the game where rng can exist and should exist but i think that there are others where to me it feels like you should allow me to progress as i want to without making it um maybe i can level up today and i think that will make the game ultimately more accessible for more people and i hope that it's something that we can strive to achieve as a community Definitely. Yep. Oh, that's that's my thing. And I know we we got a we got a pretty good twab this week. We got a little twab to talk about. So we're gonna end it on a high note and we're gonna talk about the twab. And this week's twab is brought to us by our awesome, awesome community manager, Liana. And she um, talked about several things here in the TWAB that were quite interesting. So we're going to dive into that here on the show. And what did Liana talk about this week? Well, there was a picture <laughs> she posted. She's such a dork. Anyways, we're not going to talk about that. But we are going to talk about finding the chill and a way 
to raid and play new dungeons. So we're going to talk about a new way that we're going to be playing endgame content in Destiny 2. Uh, we're going to talk about some changes that are coming to the game mid-April. Or not mid-April, uh, later on in the month. Uh, we are in mid-April currently. And the first change that we're going to talk about relates to dungeons and raids in the game. And there are several things that we learned here uh, from this week's Bungie Weekly Update. And the first thing was, I'm going to butcher his name, but I'm going to say, I think it's Rulk? Rulk? I, I can't say it right. I'm going to be editing this podcast like crazy later. <laughs> Y'all watch uh, Rulk uh, finding his chill and finding a new way to enjoy raids and dungeons. And then we also have next up weapons and sandbox changes that are going to be discussed in a future update. And um, so make sure to stick around for that in a future update. Um, there is a new rotator system that is being introduced with more challenging activities in the game. And are you ready for this? Master Vow of Disciple Raid dropping next week? Whoa. Yes. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm still trying to get the, the normal raid. Y'all <laughs> <laughs> are talking about the Master Raid. Now, I'm curious what the leveling will be for that raid so liana did talk more about that and guardians should know that power level is 1580 the seasonal cap at a plus 30 there you go gonna be really sweaty and really difficult and uh the challenge hardy players will be competing for challenges at master difficulty that will offer progression towards that coveted raid seal that we all will hopefully be chasing for. Uh, the Master Vow of Disciple raid will drop next week on April 19th. And um, Leanna had a really interesting quote that she included in the update. Uh, As players continue exploring the throne world and uncover the true nature of the witnesses' influences, We've heard your desire for reasons to return to previously released raids and dungeon content loud and clear. One way that we're refreshing the raid and dungeon experience in Destiny 2 is by developing a new rotation of featured content that we think you'll like starting in Season 17. First up... Vow of Disciple Raid and upcoming Redacted Dungeon uh, will be included. And they will all have the chance to feature all raid and dungeons not listed as the seasonal rotation for this. Um, completing the final encounter of any of these chosen raids or activities will reward... Are you ready for this? A pinnacle drop from a weekly challenge. So, it's happening. What do y'all think of this? I think it's great. Um, you know, when they had talked about the rotating raid playlist, I actually thought it was just going to be raids. 
Uh, so the fact that it's raids and dungeons is really, uh, I'm so excited. And on top of that, they're doing it exactly the way that I was hoping they would do it, where the current raid and the current dungeon are going to be pinnacles. And then the rotator playlist will offer additional pinnacle rewards for whatever the raid and dungeon are for that time frame. Um, which I think is really beneficial for a number of different reasons. I think when you're leveling, um, having more sources of pinnacles is always good. I always love being able to have more options when I'm leveling up. So that's great. I think that offering these Older activities as pinnacle rewards gives folks more opportunity uh, and more drive to to do it. I think there are a lot of groups out there right now who really um, they love raiding. They they they'll run any raid at any time. But a lot of people in the community are not like that. And running the older raids is sort of like a not an afterthought, but it's just it's harder to get time to do that when the current raid is up and things like that. So I think that. This gives people an opportunity to be able to do Garden or Last Wish um, and still be able to get rewards from it. The fact that it's going to be farmable, that the loot, lo that the lockout on the encounter rewards uh, is removed, which is super, super great. I think that's awesome. Um, I, and I think this is good for dungeons, too. You know, we have a lot of dungeons in the game right now. What I'm really eager to know is what they're going to include in these playlists. Like, obviously, the raids are limited to what what's there now, but I would love if they were to bring back, you know, like Presage or Whisper or Zero Hour. Eventually, if they brought that into the rotation for a dungeon playlist, I think that would be so cool because those are really unique experiences uh, that a lot of people didn't get a chance to do. Uh, so if that became part of that playlist eventually, I think that would be super cool. But I, I think overall, it's a really, really great idea. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, it's it's an exciting change for me because remember, leveling up, it's going to make it a lot easier now that you have more stuff to play. Justin, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, I mean, Jamie pretty much touched on everything. Just getting as many um, options for players to do pinnacles. Um, the more we have, the better. Um, there are a lot of people who, like with Val, um, they do it so many times they get burned out on it. Um, but being able to go and rotate um, the raids and all the dungeons um, is like, at least for me, it would be a really nice break. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's nice to have more variety, you know, spice things up a bit. So I totally agree with you on that. So I think we're all in agreement. This is a really great and welcoming change to the game. And I can't wait. It's going to be awesome. A uh, long time coming. And it's great that the content that existed from before will be more relevant and more helpful as we build our legend in Destiny. So exciting stuff there. We also have some patch notes that will be coming. We got a preview from Liana, and she had the following to say. We are hitting the mid-season mark, which means the time to do a little housekeeping is now. 
We're tackling a neat little failsafe for players when carrying objects for the Wallspring attack, some fine-tuning to Rolk, there's that guy, and his um, ilk in the Vow of the Disciple raid, and taking on a few more Gambit changes as we continue making the Drifter proud. Yes, we are looking at you, Lady Silver Spear. And <laughs> as we also have a small patch note preview to share, nothing is major this week, but there will be more to share in the not-too-distant future. And Liana had the following to share. Relating to the Wallspring attack... They're going to be fixing an issue where the player uh, caused teams to incorrectly wipe during the master wellspring when an object is completed with only a few seconds left on a timer. Guardian down. They added a failsafe so that uh, terrible objects in both the ritual and boss phases of the wellspring won't spawn out of bounds. So... Welcoming change there. She continues to talk about the altar of the reflection activity. They fixed an issue where players could not complete the evidence board quest report. Uh, altar reflect due to the altar of reflection not showing up properly. And there are more um, of the same altar reappearance issues that they're fixing. Uh, with the Vow of the Disciple raid, if, you're, if you all are playing the new raid, they fixed an issue where the final boss would suddenly become shy and no longer transition back to his initial phase properly, effectively blocking progress. Did you all have that problem? No. I did for, I think, the first couple of runs I did when it first came out, but... Nothing since. Yeah, I mean, it's. I'd say it's slow, but I never had an issue where he got stuck. I did have an issue where he launched into the ceiling. That was interesting. Oh, that's, um, that's interesting. Yeah, well, I, I think a couple of thunder crashes probably just launched him <laughs> directly upward. I think I think that's what happened, but it was interesting. But no, that's a very interesting bug. I had not had that take place. Yeah, that is interesting. And they also fixed an issue where the caretaker's dynamic health threshold UI would not consistently display for all players. I've had that happen. I'm like, I know I'm doing damage, but it's like nothing's happening. So I feel like the boss is just cheesing me. Uh, so I, I've had that. <laughs> not fun. On the topic of trials. I know there are some Trials players out there. Not many, but some of you do play Trials. Uh, they fixed an issue where players would not receive the expected reward on post-flawless wins. That sucks. Glad it fixed the problem because, you know, it takes a while to go flawless. So you want to get your bread. So good on that. They have some issues that they fixed with text chat. Um... You can read more about that in the Bungie Weekly Update, bungie.net. And then on the topic of weapon crafting, they added a consumable item that allows viewing of element counts. Uh, this can be acquired through the Relic Conduit, and it is not a limited item 
you can discard and reacquire it at any time. So good information on that. Um, we also have some artifact things here. Players with all 25 artifact mods unlocked can still reset the artifact for no additional glimmer cost. Uh, once all 25 artifact mods are unlocked, resets from that point on are free. So good to know about that. And lastly, there is a preview about abilities where they fixed an issue where Devour would not or would sometimes grant less buff time if multiple targets were killed in a quick succession. Additionally, they added aim assist targeting to enemy Axion Bolt secondary projectiles to help players hit bolts that are chasing both themselves and fellow allies. I've never had that happen, so <laughs> can't speak on that. And the upcoming patch notes will also tackle notable stability issues and crash fixes. Uh, Zer's wonky stats for his wares. Um, didn't know that was a thing. And Rahul's destination materials for sale will resume rotating at reset. Uh, so these are just some of the few tweaks that players can expect when this update goes live on April 19th. So we'll be talking about this in greater depth next week. Anything that sticks out for either of you from these uh, previews for next week's patch notes? Uh, I, other than, you know, the raid change, the, the, um, the patch notes preview for the raid updates, the, the bug fixes there, nothing in particular, the altar of reflection um, quest. I didn't, I didn't know that that was still bugged for folks. That's unfortunate. I, that's been done for a little bit for me. The trials rewards, I, I actually thought that was fixed already. Um, so I'm glad that they're they're addressing that too. The weapon crafting thing is great um, because very often I don't know how many of each element I have. So the fact that there's a little consumable that'll show me, I think that's really neat. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, I think I'm looking forward to reading the full the full patch notes. I'm really excited for them to fix the rest of Zer's <laughs> bad stat roll. Um, because that was really kind of rough. I like Zer is a great resource when you're starting out because you don't have a lot of exotics. But it is really nice to not just get the exotic, but also get a nice roll on the exotic. So to be getting it, but then not be able to have like have it be usable is kind of tough. So I'm glad that they're they're adjusting that. I hope that they also start to introduce some of the older sets. Um I really like that Xur has a uh, armor set that not only has decent stat rolls, but is a set that is from a collection that's not currently in the game anymore. Um, it helped me finish some stuff for Transmog, so I'm I'm really kind of hoping for some more of that too, because there's some stuff I need for my Warlock. My Warlock drip is not on the same level as my Titan. I need to fix that. Well said. Yeah, I, I think these are all positive things for sure. What about you, Justin? Um, I mean, the only thing that sticks out is the weapon crafting. I've been so relying on having to check dim just to see how many um, elements I have. But having um, the relic, con relic conduit 
um, it's going to be so nice. Yeah, no, absolutely. And we do have a few more things to touch on during the podcast. Uh, and pardon if you hear any wind in the background, there's something going on, but we're going to ignore that for the time being. We have some uh, updates from the player support team. Quick things that we'll note. Um, Xbox PC Game Pass. Sad notes. As of April 11th, uh, Destiny 2 and its expansions, Forsaken, Shadowkeep, and Beyond Light, uh, they are leaving Game Pass, or they left Game Pass, which means that players who are accessing the content through DLCs uh, through Game Pass will now need to purchase the expansions in order to continue enjoying the content. So just a heads up on that. If you haven't purchased uh, Destiny, I'm not sure. We work with Green Man Gaming, uh, or I'll work with, uh, we did an affiliate thing with them. And let me see if they have any good deals on Destiny 2, because they might, they often do. Uh, it looks like they don't at the moment, so I'm going to find you all some good deals and we'll post it on Twitter if anyone is affected by these changes. They also have the too many messages uh, error that's going to be addressed uh, in the game, so that's really nice to learn about. And this update that we talked about will be dropping on April 19th, uh, officially titled Destiny Update 4.0.1. And we can expect maintenance to begin at 9 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, Destiny 2 will be brought offline at 9.45 a.m. Pacific time. And as of 10 a.m. Pacific time, Destiny 2 update 4.0.1 will begin rolling out across all platforms and regions. And as of 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, the update will be completed. And you can all get back to leveling up your character and getting that bread. In addition to that, the Cleaver Emblem Grant, there are some updates on that. Uh, Bungie is currently working to grant the Cleaver Emblem to players who completed the Vow of Disciple raid. During the contest mode, players who qualified for the emblem can expect to get that bread um, during the week of April 19th. Did any of you get that bread? Nope. No. No bread. Sadly not. Okay. Not that. I have no many bread. other loaves of bread, but not, not that bread. Not that kind. <laughs> Love that. Well, don't feel too bad. I did not get the bread either, but you know what? I'm still happy. We're still enjoying the game, so that's all that matters. There's a matter of missing emails also. There are some lingering issues that players are not getting emails, even when going through the troubleshooting steps that are not listed on Bungie.net. The team is looking into the problem and hopefully we'll give you all an update on this. So keep up to date on The Destiny Show on Twitter and the podcast and Bungie.net for updates. There are also some other known issues that you can learn about by visiting the help forum or bungie.net or the TWAB for the week of 
April 14th, which is today. And we got movies of the week. Justin, you want to share with us who got the bread for movies of the week this week? Yeah, Amazes Freestyle back a few days ago. He did a freestyle with his Titan, which was amazing. Pun intended. Um, <laughs> well, well done. Well played. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then the second one, it looks really well done. Oh, homie got the bread this week. Amazed. Yeah. It's featured as uh, Movies of the Week. He released a video called Freestyles with a Titan. And shout outs to Amaze for uh, all of his hard work. And uh, he got the bread. So congratulations on that. Make sure to show him some love on Twitter. We're going to give him some love in the show notes for this episode. And make sure to check it out. Bungie.net. The weekly update features our good friend Amaze. So make sure to check that out. And by the way, Justin is like the mod for Amaze. So he's doing work. and. Uh, Really proud of that team and what they're doing. So congrats to all of you. And hopefully we'll see many more to come in the near future. But we do have another Movies of the Week. And that was a Biblically Accurate Destiny 2 Ghosts. I haven't had a chance to watch this video. But based on the... Thumbnail, it looks like we're going back to the Vault of Glass, so make sure to check that out on Twitter. And we also got some love for Artists of the Week, and I love tweeting Destiny Art, so this is really sick. So we have three artists that were featured. Um, Team Mech, we have Arts Moser. Uh, who created this really, really cool art piece of uh, mechs versus monsters. Very, very cool art. Congratulations on that. Uh, we also have Kane Longinus. I'm going to butcher your name. I apologize. Uh, created a really cool art piece. Tear the mechs apart. I love that. That is so freaking sick. Make sure to Check this out on Twitter, y'all. This is really cool. And then we have one more for uh, creation of the disciple art, which is really, really cool, too. That, what is that? That is so freaking cool. It looks like kind of like a ribbon, but. It's I don't Rolk. Know. It's Rolk in it's the witness. It's like a ribbon face. It's really sweet. Really cool art, but uh, make sure to check that out, bungee.net. And also, um, the results are in. Okay, so let's see who won. Was it the mechs or the monsters? Interesting. So, Team Mech wins with 52% of the votes. That's close. I'm curious, were you all Team Monster or were you Team Mech? Team Mech. Yep. 
Definitely. Mm-hmm. I was team mech too. So I helped the cause. <laughs> so all good things there. But as we know, all good things must come to an end. And Guardians, on that note, we got a tradition on the show. But before we give our voting for this week's Bungie Weekly Update, we're going to share some closing thoughts from our good friend, Liana, a.k.a. Hippie. As we rapidly approach the next part of the story, as Season of the Risen continues... We're excited to reveal what's next for our guardians and their corresponding shenanigans. If you would keep it turn keep it tuned in here to our weekly twabs and the Destiny Show podcast for more info on what's coming down the pipeline, including more weapon changes and new Gambit Labs and much more. Until next time, stay kind, drink drink lots of water, and go out there and do some good in the world this week. Catch you on the flip side, Guardians. And that's the update. So I'm curious. We have a tradition on the show where we rate the Bungie weekly update in the form of spicy tuna rolls. So I'm curious, Jamie, how would you rate this week's Bungie weekly update for you? Oh, I mean, so are we doing like a certain number of spicy tuna rolls out of 10 or like I extra probably spicy? Explain, <laughs> I'm, I'm totally jumping the gun here. It's between one and five spicy tuna rolls. One, huh? you probably don't want that because you're going to get sick. And five being you're at the Bellagio in Vegas. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I would so I think for me personally because I was really excited about the rotational playlist stuff. I'd I'd give this a solid four. I'd give it a four. It was very good. And I'm spicy spicy tuna and spicy salmon are my favorite sushi. Um, but yeah, I'd give it a four. Yeah, it's definitely a definitely a four. Um, I saw. Um, DMG put out a tweet like an hour and a half ago where they're going to talk about um, the sandbox next week, um, which is going to be really interesting. I really hope that in that update they provide. I I know I think the the rumor, uh, the well the. The heavily, I I think a people someone must have data mined it. I'm not sure, but the rumor is that we're getting Arc 3.0 next season, and then Solar would be after that. I would really love for them to to confirm that somewhat sooner rather than later, so I can start to make a build for it. Because that's, I think sandbox changes are are good. I think that it's about time. It's middle of the season, so it makes sense. Yeah. So I'm hoping for for some nice tweaks. Definitely. Yeah. No. Absolutely. And I'm excited for weapon changes. I mean, it's always nice when they spice things up and make things interesting. So I'm curious to see what they can bring into the Destiny universe next week. We're going to learn much more. So now, Justin, what would you rate this week's Bungie Weekly Update? Between one and five spicy tuna rolls for (laughs) you, sir. I would say... 
um, a four out of five. Um, I love um, the rotation system that they're going to do um, starting next season. Um, and all the, um, and letting us farm it. Um, I do wish that they would kind of like at least touch on, um, Iron Banner a little bit, um, in terms of figuring out ways to get more people um more people invested in doing the bounties um instead of having it be like a huge grind no i'm i'm totally with you there so i think for me i'm i'm conflicted because you know i mean liana's doing an update she did the update I promised I would give her an extra point. I think it was a pretty good update. I, I would say for me, it was probably a 4.5 because there was a lot of good stuff here, um, especially relating to, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to give it a five because that change was really big for raids and all the end game contents. That was really big, actually. So I'm going to give it a five. But I have to add an extra point, so I'm going to have to do something that I've never done before. We're going to have to bump it up to a six. I don't know how that works, but I'm giving it a six <laughs> out of five spicy tuna rolls. And that's how it stands this week from Cornholio. So Guardians, we have come to that point where we get to wrap things up for the evening. We get to say goodbye because all good things come to an end. Thank you all so much for joining us tonight, Guardians. It's been a blast. And I want to thank our guest on the show, Barita Amore, a.k.a. Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. It was such a pleasure. So much fun to hang out with you and get to know about you and your journey in the community. Thank you for sharing who you are with our guardians and talking about the game that we love to play. Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Anytime. So where can the Guardians learn more about you and what you do? Oh, yes, for sure. Um, well, I stream on Twitch uh, two to three times a week. So twitch.tv slash veritaamore87 is where you can find me there. I'm also on Twitter, uh, occasionally on YouTube, working on that a little bit. And then I do have a Discord server that you are all, you are all more than welcome to join and hang out. We have a great community that we're building up together. Um, everybody's welcome. Very cool. Well, and thank you again so much for joining us. I'm sure we will hang out again soon in Destiny and maybe on a podcast. And Justin, my friend, our mod, our senior mod, I should say. Let's give him the respect that he deserves, my man. <laughs> Justin, thank you so much, my friend. How was it? It was great. First podcast. First one done. Feeling good? Love, Love it. it. Where can the Guardians learn more about you and what you do in the Destiny community? Where can we find you? So I'm always on Twitter. Um, it's twitter.com slash Justin McCarthy. Um, always active on there. Um, I'm always active on Twitch. 
um, probably chilling in a maze's chat, more than likely. <laughs> um, and mostly playing Destiny 2. Love that. Love that. And now where else do you normally uh, throw the band hammer? I'm kidding. <laughs> but where else do you moderate for others besides Amaze? I know you're, you have, you're busy. Yeah. Um, so it's Amaze, Deflawless, um, Gamer Girl Grey, Renita, um, Silver Spear, um, you guys, obviously, um, Rainarchy, um, and, uh, King Allen. Love that. Like, literally our favorite people. You can find us on the web at destinyshow.com. You can find us on the Twitter at The Destiny Show. You can also find us each and every week right here on twitch.tv slash The Destiny Show. And you can listen in on every major platform. We're on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so, so much for joining us, Guardians. And we will see you next week. Good night, everyone. And we will see you, Starside. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.